And we are live here on YouTube. Welcome to the Big MX Radio free game show. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, two very special guests, a couple of gentlemen who have been doing this with me for about a month now. We're really getting into it. We're starting to gel. Uh, all of the, uh, the, the, the testing in the offseason is paying off, and uh, now we're in full flight. Joining us first, I need to introduce the 1990 East Coast 125 national champion, goes by the name of Denny Stevenson. Debo, how's it going? Good, brother. How are you today, Brad? I'm doing well, my friend. I am champing at the bit to get things ready for Supercross heading into Tampa. And also joining us from Racetech as well as airwheeliesonly.com. Yes, that's a real website. That is none (laughs) other than Checkers. Chris Riesenberg, how's it going? Uh, We're feeling pretty good. Definitely got everything dialed in in the offseason. And I thought I saw Denny over there testing some new suspension settings, getting kicked all over the place and being incorrect as always. I believe in the process, everyone. <laughs> so did Kenny in the end. Trusting the process. <laughs> awesome. So it's time to start things off, and we always kick things off with the Racetech Rapid Recap. I will throw things over to you, checkers. Awesome. Well, stoked to be here and to get ready to review a little bit of last weekend's Houston Supercross. And speaking of kind of looking back a little – there was lots of jokes going around about Anstey's um, supposed big bore engine or rumors of people protesting about it this last weekend. And it brought up some funny jokes on Twitter and stuff. And my buddy, Jerry Robin brought up um, a few years back, whole shouting some nationals on one of those race tech engines that are pretty fast and pretty inexpensive. And he even threw in there that the thing had 30 hours on it on the clutch and he was pulling whole shots and we were getting ready to pay somebody to tear him down because of the rumors. So if you want your bike to be fast, like Jerry's bike, that was whole shotting nationals, visit racetech.com, use the discount code, big MX radio and save money on engine and suspension product. And let's dive into some cheesy headlines from Houston. Hunter sandbag supercross futures in Houston to win. Oh, let's wait, go. that was the 250 East opener. It was. What do you yeah. think? Well, you know me, Hunter fucking Lawrence. He, uh, you know, I think we can all agree that we really weren't that impressed with Hunter when the day started. His lap times weren't great in practice. Um, you know, he did well in his heat, and then he got that whole shot in the main, or he didn't get the whole shot, but almost got punted off the track by Tom Viale uh, with one of those MX2 patented uh, scrubs. And then Hunter just went to work and put in 15 solid minutes plus one lap and looked incredible very similar to his brother did has in uh three of the four or two of the three west rounds very methodical very just put in his work pulled away i mean really wasn't even much of a story because everything was going on behind him he was so far out front so great job for hunter and i think we look for him to repeat it i mean we didn't see a lot of his competition up front uh, moseman wasn't up there we saw a lot of great jobs by the rookies but overall hfl hunter fucking Lawrence kicked everybody's ass in Houston. All right. And then the Brit Anstey stacks fish and chips, as well as a lot of points at the East opener. Brad Anstey looked pretty strong on that super fast Honda. 
Absolutely. He was twice battered and extra fast this entire weekend. Uh, first on the board. That's got to be a, a first time for Max Anstey, not known for blazing speed in Supercross specifically. Uh, he is an elder statesman of the class. Great to see um, him have a career best with uh, a first time on the podium. Uh, 13 years in the class, one podium. That's pretty impressive. Absolutely. And then, of course, the the, the long-awaited debut Deegan avoids danger is top five in debut. Denny. Well, um, you know, I've been following, you know, him obviously as long as everybody else has Brian and I grew up together here in, in Omaha, Nebraska area. And, uh, you know, Hayden did great. You know, I think we all thought he looked a little rough at the futures round at a two, but let's be honest. I think that could have been the best thing for him or anyone else to have a little East, you know, one round preview to the East round before it even starts I think every, he got a lot of the bugs out. He looked pretty wild in practice at, at Houston. Uh, his corner speed is wow. I mean, he's on rails some of the times. And he rode a very smart main event. He uh, didn't get the greatest starts. He put in some solid laps. He had one little buck and Yahoo through the whoops that Colin will send him off the track. But who would have thought that he would have outlasted Diale, two-time world champion, and J-Mart, two-time AMA national champion, and come through with a fourth. I think Hayden did uh, everything what we thought he would do has had some excitement and uh, put in a solid ride with a fourth and beat two of the best in the world in motocross. So uh, a great debut. I'm pretty, really very much impressed. And I think even his biggest fans are impressed because uh, a top five, I don't think anyone could have guessed that for him. Yeah. And definitely a different way to go about it. I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about the danger boy as we get the show going on. Speaking of star racing star <laughs> sacrifices for Andis to supercharge Eli partway through that main event unreal that it looked like Eli was kind of in trouble and getting to get run down. And then um, Frandis goes out, there's a red flag and Eli steps up. What do you think, Brad? what did you see? Well, I'm not too sure if people know this, but uh, the star racing Yamaha 450s can only go so fast as a team. When Dylan Fernandez goes down in that situation, that actually does add horsepower and speed to Eli Tomac, which was quite evident for the rest of that particular main event. Uh, Eli was able to race off into the night and collect yet another W for 2023. But in all seriousness, uh, really bummer to see uh, Dylan Francis go down. It was a scary crash, and uh, it is a head injury. He's in concussion protocol right now. And uh, for those listening, um, concussions are not like lineal by any means. Uh, each one is basically a snowflake. Uh, they, in fact, the the medical teams don't actually uh, grade. Uh, them anymore like really is not a first second or third degree concussion anymore everything is just sort of like handled in a vacuum and they basically just uh administer the testing as necessary to get this guy back on the track uh in the meantime we're gonna enjoy some justin cooper but uh yeah bummer to see Fernandez go down eli tomac uh, got supercharged in the in in the end anyway for sure best best wishes go out to Fernandez. i think we all had a sigh of relief to see him up and walking off the track um, scary situation and and those things can definitely get gnarly. Like I've seen guys miss months and almost years. And then I've seen guys bounce back within a week or two, even from pretty gnarly ones. So um, wait and see, but get well to Frandis. And thankfully it wasn't worse. Um, staying in the 450 class, Sexton chases down the champ. Tomac steps it up in defense. And I mean, I'm going to take this one. It was it looked like Sexton's race. It looked like he had Eli in his sights. It was going to be just like the heat race where he went right on by him, stretched it out. And then all of a sudden 
I feel like the track went away and what the whoops got more beat and Sexton was making up so much time in that whoop section. All of a sudden they were just, he was normal. Like Eli was again in them. And then in the corners, Eli had opened up his lines and was carrying a lot of momentum. And finally it was hero dirt all day in Houston. No matter where you went, you were stuck like glue late in the 450 main. It finally started to dry out a little bit and Chase's lines got a little blown out. He wasn't hooking up, wasn't getting traction. I feel like he lost that race because he didn't adapt adapt to the track conditions where Eli, the veteran that he is, not only did it while leading the race, which is even more difficult because you're leaving the door wide open and you can't see what the guys in front of you is doing, but Sexton didn't move his lines, even when he had Eli there to watch him. Such a brilliant performance from Tomac. And I mean, Sexton's got to learn from that for sure. Absolutely moving forward. And last but not least, Plessinger leads the Orange Brigade. (laughs) AP steps up and Webb was kind of invisible out there, Denny. Yeah. Um, I, like, I think I posted uh, in, in Moto Extreme on Facebook that, you know, how often is it that AP seven is, is the shiny bright uh, star of the 450 class for any of the Austrian brands. And this weekend in uh, Houston, he looked fantastic. He looked good in practice. He looked good in the heat race uh, and even better in the main. I really did not expect it from him, honestly, just because the track was not going to be, it did try to be rutted. You know, I, I, we saw him kind of have some good rounds earlier this season. The track was a little bit wetter. The dirt was wetter. It broke down. It got ruddier. AP just looks solid. He looks like he's more comfortable on the bike. I know they've all been working really hard with KTM. Um, he looked solid to the whoops. I think he almost passed Eli there a couple of times early in the main event. And <clears throat> he put in a great 20 minutes. You know, they had a little bit of break there, which has got to kind of shake those guys up and, uh, and, and get the blood flowing, maybe get a little pumped up. But he didn't uh, make any mental mistakes. Real great, and, and a solid fourth place for AP Seven. I'm, I'm I'm really happy for him. And you know, I've been probably more critical than anybody with his move to K- KTM. I thought he should have stayed with Star Yamaha. Um, but it's good. Uh, he's a fan favorite, and anytime we see him run up front is, is a huge addition for the sport and, and him as well. Well, color me completely surprised that uh, Debo has been critical of somebody. That's kind of uh, a narrative that's gone on for for about a month and a half now. I absolutely love it. I, lo- I love when D- D- uh, Debo kind of gets his claws into somebody. But up next, presented by BigMXRadio.com, the media platform that has released eight different podcasts in the last week, one of which including one of our guests tonight, Chris Riesenberg, where we combed through, um, well, maybe about 30% of his history within the sport. We we spent damn near an hour and a half uh, discussing uh, every topic under the sun, but there's so much left on the bone for us to do part one, part two, part three, probably part four, probably a whole lot more down the way. And just yesterday, we spoke with the factory Honda HRC crew chief in Shane Drew, an hour and a half long conversation where uh, he not only goes into uh, what it takes to uh, dial in the factory Hondas today, but what it took in yesteryear because he's been working there back since 1996 when he was supposed to work for that guy, Jeremy McGrath, but uh, famously McGrath ended up going off to Suzuki that particular day. We are headed back to the beaches of Tampa, and I do not think that the broadcast this this year is going to feature any of the the particular scenes that we saw back in 1992 when uh, they they ended up sending 
uh, Bob hurricane Handa to the beach to uh, ogle a bunch of women. Uh, but that, that actually seemed like a lot of fun. Maybe they need to get back to that. But what we do have this weekend is a giant sand section. This thing looks menacing. This, sex, this section is going to give guys problems. And same goes for the, the long whoop section. There's well over 50 straight yards of the nastiest whoops that we have seen so far in the series. I think they're going to provide problems for these 250 East guys. I think even there's some guys in the 450 class that are going to have their struggles with them. And even worse, if we happen to get some inclement weather right now, they're calling for 50% chance of rain throughout the Saturday, whether that be scattered showers or some actual significant amount of rain is yet to be seen, but be on high alert that we might get a little bit of moisture and that helps guys like uh like Aaron Plessinger we just talked about him he's good in the mud there's a few guys that aren't good in the mud um but we'll get to that as well sort of a home race for a lot of these guys there's a ton of guys who sort of call uh Florida home uh Barsha, Adam C and Cirillo, the entire KTM squad, that KTM Husky gas gas squad, who all kind of uh, stay there, as well as in recent history, we've seen Star Racing Yamaha move their entire thing over to the goat farm, and uh, they're they're working out of there. So this is our third time at Raymond James Stadium. It's a fantastic facility, and this is my opportunity to throw it over to Checks because he's got some more Tampa Supercross facts. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of buzz in the pits. Um, this is a home race for Feld, so they really go all out for this one. Um, they want, you know, the whole company comes and they want to put on their best show. It's not necessarily the biggest attended race, but they still throw out all the bells and whistles. Um, we haven't been here since 2020, but interestingly enough, the last time that we were inside Raymond James Stadium, it was actually Shane McElrath, who we'll see on a 450, taking the 250 win over Chase Sexton. Um, wow, how times have changed. We see Sexton at the front of the field, Sexton or McElrath barely making the field. Third on the podium that night, Jeremy Martin. Also in the top five that night, Jordan Smith. Both of them still trying to get it done in the 250 class. Meanwhile, when we step into the 450s, it was Tomac, Webb, Roxon, Barsha, and Justin Hill as your top five. And no surprise probably to hear Tomac, Webb, Roxon, Barsha. But the surprise, Justin Hill, and don't forget the time before that they were there in 2018 was his 450 Supercross debut on a JGR Suzuki when he was lightning fast, busting out quads. Dang near was going to go on and win that main event before Marvin Muskan decided to help him visit the soil where Hill got a sixth. So obviously we have the return of Justin Hill this year. It's been very, very quiet. We haven't seen anything spectacular, but maybe that all turns around when he gets into the comfort of Raymond James Stadium where he's had two of his absolute best 450 Supercrosses this weekend. Tampa Stadium. I raced there in 1990. You can add yet another stadium that I raced at and did well. I finished on the podium there behind uh, Max Bowen's father, Talon, and Mr. Jeremy Buell, top fuel in second. I got third after crashing on the first lap, I remember. And uh, yet another stadium that has been imploded in my career. So <laughs> <laughs> I think every stadium I raced in in the early 90s has either been destroyed and rebuilt or just gone altogether. So I'm excited for the weekend. It's a football stadium. The track, uh, back kind of a, a basic five-lane track, a lot of, lot of sand like uh, Brad had said. And, and I think that we'll be probably running in the low 50-second lap times. We'll probably be seeing a lot of uh, extra laps, and I see the track getting broke down. And if it rains, all hell breaks loose then. I'll be rubbing my hands together if we get a little bit of moisture. I like, I, I don't love a mud race, 
But I love having a race where guys have to deal with some inclement weather, uh, maybe a little, maybe a little bit of like kind of sprinkling of rain mid uh, mid main event or something like that. Just some extra adversity to make uh, one of the gnarliest sports in the world just a little bit more crazy. Now, moving on to our next segment, which is brought to you by MXD360.com. This is the Dash for Cash. This is rapid fire questions. And you can sign up today to win the King's gear. Go to MXD360.com, sign up. And anyone who enters, regardless if you're good at the game, bad at the game, like I am, uh, you still have an opportunity to win the King's gear. That The King, of course, is the King of Supercross. Jeremy McGrath uh, so generously putting up a set of his Troy Lee Designs gear for one of our uh, one of the lucky players of that game. It's extremely fun. It's a salary uh, based league where you you basically get uh, 3.5 million dollars to spend on whoever you need as long as they fit within your budget. Most points, uh, basically most points win. I myself, I'm never good at that game, but I like to play and uh, kind of test my knowledge. And honestly, my fi- I think my favorite part about that game is just kind of outsmarting the the budget. But uh, we'll get a little bit to that later on in the show where we actually uh, kind of uh, dissect um, the picks for this particular week. But some rapid fire question checkers, get ready. Does Deegan win a Supercross in 2023? No, not in 2023. I do think there's a good chance that he may find the podium. I don't think he's ready to win a race, honestly, partially because Hunter effing Lawrence is so darn good. Yeah, he's going to be tough to beat. Look out, Debo. I got one coming at you. How many CCs does Max Anstein need to beat Hunter? Well, apparently more than 280, because everyone said that's what he was running last week. Uh, Max wrote outstanding. That was, that was purely a joke. Uh, I think he surprised everybody with uh, back-to-back fast lap times and qualifying times. But I, I can't see him being Hunter unless Hunter crashes. I, I'm not really sure I see anyone beating Hunter because uh, he's looking pretty Big phenomenal. News. Undefeated is, is quite difficult, so let's not go that far. But um, as, as his brother proved, it only seemed the only people I think that can beat either the, the Lawrence brothers in the Supercross series is themselves. Uh, if Hunter stays up off the ground, stays up front, I don't see anyone beat him, especially not Max right now. Max is ready to turn the corner, but I don't think he's ready for that yet. All right, it's time to keep our uh, keep checkers on his toes here, man. I'm gonna slide one over to you. You were a grumpy Gus after this last weekend's race, uh, griping about the track left, right, and center in Houston. Can you give me one positive about last week's Houston track aside from it's in the rearview mirror? Well, maybe that's the one they tore it down. That's the best thing about it. <laughs> All right, that was that was pretty rapid fire. I think it was uh, under three seconds for an answer there, Debo. Best finish for Christian Craig here in 2023. <laughs> his his career best is a fourth. You predicted uh, 17 top five finishes. Uh, where where are you where are you where, where are we at with that? Well, I'm slowly but surely losing my uh, percentage rate of uh, predicting eight top fives for Christian. Uh, this is just a different rider right now. I don't think we're seeing the best out of Christian Craig. I think we're seeing a little frustration uh, with the Husky bike. Um, we all know when things are necessarily not going uh, Christian's way, it can snowball. I had him, I hired him last week for Moto Extreme. I thought this was the time. I think it was probably you guys convinced him, even though because he hasn't done that well, but he's got to get a top 10. I mean, we're four rounds into it. He's a 450 factory rider with Rockstar Husqvarna, and this son of a bitch hasn't even reached the top 10 finish yet. So, um, 
as of right now, I, I'd be happy. I'm going to have to just, yeah, I, I, sometimes you got to throw in the towel, admit defeat. I win, wave the white flag, the checkers. Uh, <laughs> I do not see more than probably a, a seventh or eighth for Christian this season. And um, it better start happening soon. And because I think for him to reach the top five, we're going to have to see a lot of attrition and, and we never want to see that. So I will, uh, I will give nod my hat to checkers on my <laughs> incorrect preseason prediction. I want the best for Christian Craig. I've, I've been a fan of his. I grew up racing with his father, although I know that's not a tight relationship. Um, anytime you got a new guy come out of the TD class and want to ride four videos, you want him to have the best. And he's still a rookie and he's riding like a rookie. Although he's got his ass kicked by two true rookies. Uh, I'd like to see Christian get in the top 10 and, and I'm, I'm predicting right now an eighth will probably be probably the best we'll see of him all season. Ah, so that's where the eight came from. You you had it yeah. right. Just it was the best it finish. Was five not the eighth place top finishes, five. not eight <laughs> fifth place finishes. Sometimes by math. <laughs> okay, yeah, but fair enough. Sometimes you get the, the numbers switched around a little bit. I will add a totally random fact, the fact that I have Mike Craig's 19, actually 2000 uh, Blackfoot Honda number plate sitting about 20 feet, 20 feet away from me. It was my first piece of moto, moto memorabilia. And the only reason why I got it is because uh, Mike wasn't able to make it past the border that particular weekend and race in Grunthal. Didn't get to see him race, but I did get his number plate. I, I find that not shocking at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, all right. So checkers, Chiz did not chiz this last weekend, but en route to not chizzing, he absolutely blew somebody's doors off. That was poor Frederick Norin. And uh, my my question to you is, is Chiz's last lap T-bone move and the LCQ over the line, or is that just good racing in the LCQs? It was absolutely fine. And I mean, I know some people won't agree with me, but it's the last turn of the LCQ. I don't care if it's my grandma there, my mom there. They're going to the cotton candy stand if that's what I have to do to T-bone them to make the main event. You do whatever it takes when you go into that last turn. Pretty much anything is legal. And let me add to that real well, quick. The, that yes, you did, yes, he didn't have to put him in the in the, in the cotton candy stand. It looked like Norrin drove to the cat road to the cotton candy stand before he decided to fucking turn his motorcycle. I've seen that clip so many times. I'm like, Chiz is like probably shocked at the fact that he was able to get underneath him that much because Norrin was not turning. And then you forgot to mention that Chiz would have probably got in had he had an electric start. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brad's in shock by yeah. This, the Kickstarter also is probably the only thing that really stopped Chiz from chizzing on this particular on, on last particular weekend. And A Ray. Uh Debo, last last rapid fire question for Debo. This will probably be a pretty uh, a short list. Uh can you name me all of the riders who will win races in two uh the, the 250 East Coast this season? Well, I don't think it's these are <clears throat> will win. I'm going to say who could win. Um, I think Moseman's got to be, I don't know what was what was going on with him last weekend. He was almost invisible. I, we already saw him in practice. I already mentioned him in a heat race. Um, he was almost invisible as Christian Craig's been this season. So um, I just hope that Moseman gets his shit together and gets himself a better start. We can run up front because he's definitely got the speed as long as he's staying focused and not worrying about the Transformers uh, latest movie. <laughs> George Smith looked very solid, although he crashed again like he always does, but he did move up to third. And I'm going to say Nate Thrasher would be the only other person, but he did his usual bullshit where he doesn't get it as he doesn't keep his whole night together. And he didn't go to last chance qualifier and he proceeded to end up on the ground twice, which was completely just a piss for a way to open these season. And these kids need to kind of get their shit together. And 
and uh, stop making these type of mistakes. But I could see Thrasher pulling up a win as well because he's got a lot of speed. So <clears throat> outside of Hunter probably winning at least six of these main events in the East, I've got Moseman possibly one, Smith possibly one, and possibly Thrasher another. But I cannot guarantee any of those three can actually do it. I'm just saying they got the capability and the speed to they can get their shit together. You can never count Nate Thrasher out when it comes to those outdoor supercrosses, those speedway races that he seems to excel at for whatever reason. Uh, Daytona and Atlanta, both those tracks, uh, I wouldn't say he's favored, uh, but he certainly would be uh, in some uh, some familiar territory where he's caught some uh, first place finishes in the past. Moving on to our next segment, which is brought to you by airwheeliesonly.com, where you can play supercross survivor and for now i am still alive in both of those leagues um yes airwheelies.com airwheeliesonly.com is a real website and that's where you can go lose money at uh figuring out who's going to get a top 10 finish in one of two different survivor leagues uh so much fun and also some great uh, more great information on there in general so head on over to that website check that out and be part of the conversation uh, so this is a this is a versus challenge questions. This is who's going to finish better in Tampa Supercross this weekend. We pit two two uh, athletes against each other. We pit two analysts against each other. Um, Debo, you get first choice on this one. And uh, so the, the the two guys that we're deciding upon first off is going to be Ken Roxon and Cooper Webb. Who finishes better at Tampa Supercross this weekend? Well. I think this one's pretty easy for you guys to even predict that who I'm going to go with, <clears throat> you know, Cooper Webb was a faster rider than Ken rocks. when Ken was on a Honda, put him on a six-year-old Suzuki and, and Cooper Webb is still going to be the better rider. And Cooper's been riding much better this season. He's had some solid finishes. He didn't have a great uh, Houston round. Neither did Ken. Um, I think we'll see a much better round this weekend for Cooper. Ken, we don't know. He's probably got four rounds in him and he might start dropping off the pace like he's done in the past or he could turn around or shine things up. I'm going all Cooper Webb, though. He's got the eye of the tiger. Ken has still got that uh, monkey on his back. He's riding an older bike. He's kind of got a built-in excuse when things go wrong, although he did not say much of an excuse last week other than he just felt like shit and felt like shit all day. Um, but for Tampa, I'm going all Cooper Webb. Number two, two-time Supercross champ, puts it to the German once again. Well, I will let the representative can... from Race Tech take the floor. Good thing that we can keep things going and Danny can be wrong again. <laughs> Guess what? Cooper Webb started the season with the second at Anaheim one. We saw it last year. Everybody was kind of waiting. He went into San Diego was second again. And it was like, okay, maybe this is for real. And then we went to a two and he really wasn't that good. Um, he salvaged, I think a fourth place finish started to become a little bit invisible. Guess what? Last weekend, didn't see much Cooper Webb, did we? We saw Aaron Plessinger as the number one KTM. And then guess what the first picture of the track I saw besides the long sand section was? A super long set of whoops. Let me ask you this question. Ken Roxon or Cooper Webb, who is better in a long set of whoops? I don't care if he's on a 2018 Suzuki or not. Ken Roxon has confidence when he sees a big whoop section, he's going to take him as a, to his advantage. He is going to beat Cooper Webb. Webb's season is starting to slide. Roxon had one bad race. He's going to be right back around that four or five position, and it'll be in front of Cooper Webb. Do you know who's who, but jumping through the whoops the last few rounds? Ken, Ken Roxon. So. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Well, I'm the tiebreaker on this, and I'm going to go with Webb because the last time we saw these guys race at this particular venue, Webb got the win then. I think he's going to get the win this weekend as well. Let's talk about a couple of guys who are pretty still pretty new to 450 Supercross. One's got about three years under his belt. The other one's got one race under his belt on a 450. Justin Cooper versus Joey Savacci. Who finishes better at this weekend's Supercross? Debo, who are you going with? Well, great, great uh, lead in, you know, total opposites of extreme. Savachi has had a, quite a bit of 40 uh, experience. Justin, due to star who held him out for the first freaking month, decided to finally let him have a debut last week in Houston. He wrote incredible. So I'm going Justin Cooper. I went and looked at the lap charts. Man, he really didn't start that well. He started 13th, uh, made his way through the pack one at a time. Uh, actually, one of the guys who passed was Joey. Joey's had a great season so far. Nothing against him at all. I just think that uh, Cooper is rolling with some confidence right now. He's uh, he, he came from 13th up to sixth or seventh, or seventh past Ken on the last lap. That's got to be some confidence builder. And while Joey's had four straight top tens, I'm going Justin Cooper, the rookie. Uh, he holds up his end of the deal. And I think I'm going to have to say that uh, Bobby Reagan's going to have to go cash with one of his stock bonds and uh, and let uh, let Justin Cooper finish the Supercross season because it'd be stupid to do to sit him at home any any longer. Those first four rounds were enough for Justin Cooper. It's time for him to get to work and uh, and work on the sport of the career as he takes down Joey Savacci in Raymond James Stadium. The representative from Race Tech. Well, I could easily tell you that Joey Savacci is starting to hit his stride. You know, he started off the season just wanting to be consistent, hanging out around that nine ten range. But guess what we saw down at the beginning of the night at Houston. Joey was faster than he's been all year in qualifying. Joey's finding speed. We also saw in the main event when Cooper went by him, Joey stayed right with him and went with him and had speed at the end of the race. Savachi is a veteran at this point, or at least getting close to being a veteran. He's going to be consistent every weekend. Why is he going to beat Justin Cooper? Well, you said it. Justin Cooper started terribly. He was invisible. He was the only rider probably to pass anyone on that Houston track. You don't get bad starts and move forward in 450 Supercross week in and week out. We've seen it for years with Dylan Ferrandis. If Justin Cooper can't get the start, which Savachi is going to get, there's no way he's going to pass him and beat him two weeks in a row. Not to mention he's still a 450 rookie, and we know 450 rookies have issues. Get out of control. Cab crashes. Cooper might be one of the more consistent riders, but he's not immune to the 450 rookie curse of the bike is faster, the competition stiffer, and mistakes will happen. Uh, real quick, before you jump in, Brad, what do you think, Checkers? You made a good point. All there. right. Well, that, wait, hold on. The Justin had passed. Justin had passed Joey, and Joey lodged onto him. Uh, you think that some of the Joey might kind of let some of those other guys buy, not let buy him, but doesn't feel as frustrated but with Cooper passing. He said, "Fuck that! This this rookie ain't gonna beat me," and latched onto him. What do you think, Checkers? Real quick, I, I was I found that interesting when you said that. Um, I don't think it was so much that I think it was just getting, you know, kind of the, the red flag, I think, threw a lot of people out of their flow. And Cooper is really, really good at running smooth lines around the track and that side of things. And it looked to me like I don't know what Joey was doing before, but he started almost follow Cooper's lines, opened up the track a lot like Tomac did as the track was going away. So maybe also it was everyone else slowed down and Savachi is just a solid rock out there right now. He might not be the fastest guy, but he is solid every single lap. So when everybody else's lap times dropped off, Joey's did not. Cool. Yeah. I was interested in what you thought of that, but I'm still going Justin Cooper. So. 
Honestly, I, I got to go with the speed. I saw a lot of great things from Justin Cooper. I, I was really impressed with the way he raced forward. Um, I haven't seen as much raciness from Joey. Uh, so that's why I got to go with Cooper. Uh, I, I hate to agree with, uh, with Debo usually cause he's wrong, which I like right now. I feel, I kind of feel like I'm wading into like some territory where like, it's just, there's like alarm bells going off. And I, I feel like I, I'm like, I'm being judged for, for having a, a, an incorrect opinion, but, but Lord knows I had one about Hayden Deegan this last weekend, mid main, uh, main event when I said he was fading like a cheap suit. He was not fading. He was uh, the, the kid had honestly pretty, pretty impressive fitness all in all for a guy, for a kid who's 17 years old racing uh, with a class, honestly chock full of some veteran talent. Um, but uh, next on the docket, we have a pair of rookies. We have Factory HRC's Chance Hymas. That's whose checkers is backing. And then you've got Danger Boy Deegan. I literally watched his dad ghostwrite his motorcycle on YouTube earlier this afternoon. Uh, incredible to see it. Think that the both of them are, are now uh, owners of top five finishes in uh, 250 Supercross. Um, boys, I'll let checkers take this one off uh, right off the rip. Um who finishes better at Tampa Supercross? Checks, you're going with Hymas. Yeah, and you better come with me, Brad, or you're going to be so wrong on this one. Once again, long whoop section, baby. Chance Hymas has shown through Supercross Futures last year, as well as last weekend, he is smooth, consistent, dialed in in the whoop section. And smooth and consistent is the name of his game. If you look at time qualifying, he was right there with Deegan in the lap time side of things. And yeah, we didn't see any crazy flash. That means smooth and consistent. And you know there's going to be 250 East guys flopping around in that whoop section, hitting tough blocks, cartwheeling, and the guy that won't be doing it, Chance Hymas. What Deegan maybe has a little bit more in edge and speed, he also brings sketchiness with him. We just had to go through this argument this week in a text with myself and Denny. Anaheim two futures practice, landing on the tough blocks, outside of the racetrack, on the ground, in the main event, pushes the front end, flies across into the tough blocks and crashes. In practice, guess what? Same thing last weekend in qualifying. He's stuck in the tough blocks. The only time that he wasn't was during the night show last weekend. Yes, I have to applaud him on a good ride in the main event. We almost saw him go flying off and miss the over-under coming out of the whoop section, and this section is going to be even tougher. Chance Hymas is extremely solid. He's going to keep building. He's on a factory HRC Honda with great support. And simply, he'll capitalize on Deegan's mistakes. Um, I, I will say nothing negative about Chance Hymas. I obviously didn't probably give him much of a benefit of doubt. Was was pretty negative with him uh, in our preview show last week. He rode great. But one thing, uh, the difference between what you want to stand for for Chance Hymas, the whoop master, uh, last year in the Futures, they uh, they raced when the track was pretty new, pretty fresh. He didn't have a lot of experience when the track is, is broken down. He uh, got a great start last week. Of course, it was his first race, but he got arm pump. He got tight. He faded back. Deegan's going to go back to what I'm going to say a million times every time we talk about uh, Hayden Deegan. He probably has more laps on that Supercross track than Eli Tomac has on one because he was pretty much born on a track. It's muscle memory. I think it's just going to get better and better every time Hayden's on the track. I think um, – as smart as he rode last week, the way he passed the two vets there at the end with their mistakes, I think he's just going to keep building from it. I think that the pressure is slowly getting more and more off of him. And now instead of questioning where I'm going to finish at, he knows he's top five guy. He can run top five. He's already talked about, man, that podium would be pretty nice. Uh, I think that Hayden is still 
the premier kid, I think Chance did great. This is absolutely not a slam and Chance, but I'm saying Hayden Deegan keeps the ball rolling into, into Tampa, and I see another top five finish from the number 238, Blue Cruise, Monster Energy Star Yamaha, following those footsteps of Mr. Brian Deegan as well. Well, you know what? I, I, I hate to doubt uh, Hayden Deegan because he just keeps proving me wrong. And uh, But honestly, I got to go with the long legs of Chance Hymas. Uh, this kid has shown a lot of speed uh, in these rough sections. I think those, the sand section is going to help. Uh, is He's going to have an edge there, and I think he's going to have an edge in the whoops as well. Um, or maybe this is just going to be a reverse jinx, and uh, this ends up favoring Hayden Deegan. I think both these kids have an extremely bright future going forward, but I'm going with Hymas this weekend. Our next matchup. Uh, a couple of guys who probably raced against each other in Europe at some point, maybe for uh, for an off-season race, if Tom Biel had any type of Supercross experience at all prior to coming over here. Um, but we've got Tom Biel and the zombie himself, Chris Blos, who uh, is actually a race tech um, certified dealer himself. He's, he's a he's, he's a race race tech service center uh but he's he's moonlighting with pro circuit kawasaki right now but who finishes better at tampa debo i think you're going with vl yeah i mean hats off to blows um great job you know get an opportunity i i told the same thing to checkers you guys last week on the same show that he got a late call he got a late uh, window to go race for cowie for pro circuit there's something going on over that team there's something in the water he did not ride well all night. He took a big crash on press day, I know. Viale, um, on the other, other hand, is looking better better than I, I expected from him. I was very much impressed with him. You know he's a great starter. Uh, he's proved it. Uh, he's always got the most hole shots in the GPs in the past four seasons. He also makes a bit of mistakes, has crashed. But, man, outside of the whoops last week, he was pulling away from all the guys behind him. And then when you get to the whoops, they'd all eat him back up. And then eventually he ended up falling in the corner before the whoops. So I think he was singing too much the whoops and get more momentum and then throwing it away. But I see him getting better and better. There's a reason why he's a two-time world champion, despite the fact of very little supercross time. He, uh, he wrote outstanding. The rhythm sections were pretty big and sharp there in, uh, in Houston. And if it rains this weekend, we know the heroes can ride in the mud. There's sand, there is long whoops, but uh, if he's got to learn to hop through them, he can. And I'm going all the Frenchman, the two-time world champion over the zombie no insult the blows at all. Great opportunity, but there's a reason why Frederick Viale has a factory KTM, right? Or Tom Viale, his dad's Frederick. <laughs> I always refer to that. But no, Tom is going to smoke the uh, zombie in Tampa. Oh, no. I mean, he might smoke in through the sand section. I bet he'll feel really at home there. And I mean, if you do a rain dance, Denny, you might be able to be right on this one because if it's muddy, okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. But other than that, well, last weekend's track, I don't know if you remember, but a third of the stadium floor was flat, wide open, flat corners, something you don't normally see on Supercross. It was a very, very, very basic track. Guys were <laughs> doing anything crazy. They weren't doing anything hard. It was just, it was something you would see on a test track and then a lot of flat stuff. And there was no passing. There was one pass not caused by a mistake in the 250 main event that we saw. So Vial, guess where he started? first place he still fell down so do that and then we'll get back to the long whoops yet again who is one of the baddest dudes on a 250 in the whoops chris freaking blows is one of the best guys in the world in the whoops he made a career of arena cross doing it because the whoops are giant there and guess who's one of the worst tom vial 
he's just not there yet. He'll get there. I have full faith, man. That scrubby through on the triple that about killed Hunter. Oh, that was pretty dirty. It was pretty that sick. Was <laughs> it was pretty rad. Uh, that was ridiculous. But yeah. you're not going to go fourth gear into a triple this weekend in Tampa. They are long technical rhythm sections. One little bit of miscalculation in timing. You're losing a lot of time. I also know Blos only had you know a week on that motorcycle going into the first race. Well, guess what? Now he's had two weeks. I know that they tested on Monday. He's much happier on the bike. He struggled a lot with bike setup last weekend. He's in a really good spot. I guess that's one thing that when you're a suspension tuner, you know how to get your bike where you need it to be. Chris Blos will be extremely solid. And yes, Denny, before the end of the year, Chris Blos will get a top five finish and you will be wrong again. I hope he does. But Blos I might end up getting a podium at some point, especially if he can get a start. But the problem is he hasn't been getting them and that's not even a new thing. We didn't see uh, the 111 out front uh, very much even last year or the year prior to that. Uh, so I give my nod to... Uh, to Tom Vial, I think that he comes out ahead just because I, I think he's just going to start with those guys and uh, be able to keep himself out of trouble and end up knocking down some some top 10 finishes that are maybe a little bit closer to the top uh, step of the podium than Chris Blows, at least early in the season. Um, if the question is, how, how how's this going to go for Tampa? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tom Vial. I think he's got more time more recently on Supercross than Blows does. All right, our next versus challenge these two this is this this is the second last on the docket but i'm glad that we didn't even save it to the last one because i've been trying to get to this one since we started this this show 41 minutes ago aj catanzaro the cat the cat came back to the main event he ended up not having the best of showings in that main event but he was putting it back in there he showed speed he, he was he was racing racy cat and then we have versus hardy munoz the grenade with the pin pulled himself who finishes better at the Tampa Supercross this weekend? Checkers, I have a feeling you're going with the meow cat. <laughs> yeah, shout out to shout out to Ian. I told you we were going to bring it back. I'm, I was keeping an eye on it all night. We were even texting about it a little bit throughout the day. Munoz was faster all day. Um, I, I saw Cat's vlog and he said he was super uncomfortable all day. I was pretty bummed to see him not get it in the heat race. I actually believed in the cat so much. He was on every fantasy team I had as well. And I was putting my money where my mouth was. And holy crap, did he deliver in the LCQ riding through the pack, not just into a qualifying spot, but all the way to second in the LCQ. And guess what? The cat rips when the whoops are big. He's super consistent. Um, I've been telling you guys, I know he's been riding a hundred times more than he has in the last fucking six years of Supercross coming into this thing and yes his finish in the main was bad you want to know why he had a mechanical he was going so fast that he blew out his front tire and it went flat that's not his fault that's just because he was too good so he's going to go over visit his buddy hunter lawrence he's going to get some of those sweet race spec tires on there that won't blow out and then he's going to blow by hardy munoz because here's the other thing that we know did you guys watch 250 west remember after the second round you guys were like Man, RJ Hampshire sure changed his stripes. He's not crashing anymore. And then what did he go out and do at Anaheim too? Kaboom! Bomb goes off. Well, guess what? Hardy used up all of his good luck last weekend. There's no way that he goes two weekends in a row without sampling the soil. So the cat will definitely defeat Munoz this weekend. 
Are you trying to suggest to me that Cat can't change his stripes on Munoz? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> that Hardy is a grenade, uh, as uh, Brad indicated as well. Obviously, Hardy Munoz is an exciting uh, character. Uh, I, we've seen him yard sale. You talked about the last show that uh, you watched him basically put assemble two motorcycles to make one motorcycle even work after a lot of crashing. I still think that Hardy is the faster of the two. He might not be the technical of the two. Uh, our friend Ian Riley has, has him in, in one of our other draft leagues. So we got to put the man for Hardy. Uh, he is a madman. So I'm going to have to stick with the Mr. Munoz for Tampa. Uh, the sand, it's, uh, it's long, it's long, big lanes. Uh, I see the man with the all black helmet going bonsai wide open. And AJ just doesn't have the speed. Munoz had him in practice lap times. He had him in the heat race. And I did. I, I saw that he had uh, that uh, that AJ was down four laps in the main event. I wasn't sure about that a front flat tire. That just shows he was going so slow it just started leaking air and he didn't even know it. So uh, <laughs> for Tampa, it is Mr. Hardy Munoz because he has the speed, doesn't need the technicality. AJ will probably stop and grab the microphone out of JT's hand and start talking about the track mid main event. Uh, I think Munoz might be Spanish for loose. Because uh, Hardy Munoz, uh, he sends it. He absolutely, he's aggressive. Uh, he's he's not very calculated in, in, his, in his approach. And, and that's why I think that this weekend, it's going to be the cat over Munoz. This is not the track to just hold her wide and and, and, and just chuck and pray this, this weekend. This, is, this track is going to require someone who's calculated and, and can methodically make it through the whoop section on a regular basis, uh, put the bike in the right position in the sand. I actually, can, I, I feel like I can see Hardy Munoz picking his bike up in the sand, probably in an LCQ. Um, so I'm going to go with the cat. Uh, I'm going to uh, settle that one once and for all and uh, heading into the weekend, maybe back-to-back main events for the cat. Now, moving on to our next one, and I'm not too sure why Checkers decided to not only spell Jordan Smith's first name incorrectly, but then also uh, instead of spelling it uh, Smith, it's Jordan Smith. Smitch. Smitch. With a T with a CH in there, but either way, uh, Jordan Smith and Michael Mosman, uh, a couple of guys who've showed a lot of speed for a long time. In fact, uh, um, basically Mosman has Jordan's old job in the fact that he's uh, a, a lead front runner over at TLD. Uh, but these guys are very evenly matched, and that's why we ask who will finish better at Tampa. I believe Debo's going with uh, Mr. Smith. Why do you feel that way? Well, I mean, have you seen his beard? I mean, let alone. Obviously, I'm going to go Santa. with the guy. I don't even know if Michael is old enough to grow a beard yet. But uh, George no. Smith, he, he really impressed me, impressed me at, uh, at Houston. He was solid all through his heat races. Uh, to, I mean, early in the morning with qualifying times, heat race, he did well. He even fell down once in the sand and still pulled off a podium where, again, like I said, I – I, being on the TV end of things, I really never even saw what Moseman was bringing all day long. So from that fact alone, I think that, uh, and Jordan, you know, is based in Florida. He's just, has got to be a home race for him as well lately for, or at least for this year. Cause you know, he's living down there at the star facility and, uh, I probably fell asleep in his own bed damn near and drive down for the, for the weekend. So <clears throat> for that alone, and, uh, for little that I know what was going on with Moseman, I'm gonna have to go old Jordan Smith. I think he's going to rise the occasion. I think he knows that this is his last ditch effort. Uh, if he doesn't do well this year, he's going to be maybe flipping burgers or whatever uh, we do when we get done with our racing careers. And uh, I'm going all Jordan Smith and uh, that chiseled Ivan Tedesco beard of his. The representative from Race Tech has the floor. Oh, Danny, this explains why all your fantasy teams are doing so terrible this year because well, you keep going bad. with Let me tell picks you. like these. They're, 
I'm sorry, man. I, I think that the CTEs may be catching up. Speaking of, yeah, you know what causes that CTEs crashes? And guess what? Even with this podium, Jordan Smith couldn't stay off the ground. At some point, you have to figure it out, mature, and stay off the ground if you want to have consistent results. The good thing for Jordan Smith, I can finally shut up about his last podium being in 2018. Because guess what? In 2023, in the most depleted field in history, maybe, Jordan Smith finally comes back to the podium and did it with a crash. He even was able to beat his danger boy, Deegan, fresh rookie teammate. But I don't see that happening very much more often because Deegan's going to get better. And I don't know. I Jordan Smith has speed. He's always has speed. He beats himself time and time again. What you didn't see from Moseman, well, you didn't see him because he had a bad start. And then it was a crappy racetrack where you're sitting there trying to get around guys where there's no freaking passing. Well, guess what? He still made his way through slowly, consistently. You know what he did? He stayed off the ground. You look at his lap times. He was on the pace of the podium still while coming through the pack. I'm not concerned about Moseman. It was a quiet day. He needs to fix his starts. Well, guess what? We have a regular start this weekend, not one out of an arena cross into a hairpin 180. We have a nice sweeping turn, long start straight. Guess what? There's not very many factory bikes out there, so I expect to see the factory bikes pulling halfway down that straightaway to get him into the first turn well. Moseman should be able to beat Jordan Smith this weekend. In fact, I will say that he will beat Jordan Smith this weekend because he won't beat himself, and Moseman will be better than he was last weekend and it didn't you take could, much better from coming through the pack to catch up to being in front of smith you, you could barely get that out could you you're, you're, that was really hard sell for you you're really struggling there you didn't even get a chance to mention the whoops well that was shocking that's the first time you haven't mentioned the whoops all night and then the <laughs> fact that you're going to say that jordan smith crashes less than most of it boy that was a really stretch because they both crash and uh I don't know. It's going to be a good one, but I, and you've been pretty negative on Jordan since uh, I think since what last, last August. So uh, I'll let you have Mosem in this one. And, and my, my fantasy team quit picking on me. It's been bad. It's a big struggle. <laughs> you know, Jordan Smith is the leader on my, my draft team that we'll get to very shortly here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you're picking on the guy who's uh, basically just like keeping you afloat in that league. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I think honestly, I, I give it to Jordan Smith. I, I, a little bit of recency bias. Um, he's shown the starts a little bit of maturity. Yeah. He's been on the ground, but we're used to seeing that from Jordan Smith. And, uh, I, I think he, uh, continues. I, I, we haven't seen any flashes of brilliance from, uh, from Moseman just yet. Um, he'll be, he'll, he'll, I think he'll be in the top five this weekend, but I think he'll be on the back half of it. So we got we got some uh, some tidying up to do, some loose ends to tie up before we move on to, to debating with Debo. Uh, we're going to skip a few of the topics that we've already talked about, like the fact that Ferrand is currently out. We don't know how long he's going to be out because head injuries are all snowflakes and uh, all different and handled differently. Uh, we, he could be back as, as early as as. Oakland, he could be out for months on end. Uh, so we'll leave that one right there. But we can't get off of this call without talking about Max Anstey, who had an absolutely unbelievable weekend. Um, he did not, he was not running a cheater motor. That was fake news. Um, but the fact that like he was extremely fast in practice, showed speed in in both the heat race and the main event. Um, like checkers, I'll, I'll let you take the, take the floor on this one. But, uh, I was really, really impressed with Max Anstey tip to tail. Absolutely. I think that Max Anstey probably was the surprise of the night. Um, not because some people like myself, I mean, I've been talking about him since we did the preseason shows that I thought he would be a standout and that he would surprise people and be impressive. 
but I didn't think he was going to be this good. And I would, I would love to pat myself on the back and say, I predicted it. Absolutely. No way. I expected him to be this good. And yes, part of the reason that I'm going along and making all the jokes about his quote, big board and stuff. No, I don't think he has a big board. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that people are pointing at that and not the fact that Max has a ton of speed and skill. He was amazing in the off season. Clearly he's been doing his work. If you look at him, he's fit as can be out there. I expect him to continue to do this. He looked very confident, very calm. Yes, he looked a little bit surprised with no pressure on himself. And that'll be the one thing he has to overcome. But we all expected good results from Anstey. The field's also thinner. I mean, he beat Jordan Smith, who crashed and got third and hasn't had a podium since 2018 until last weekend. So maybe he didn't really beat anyone. Who knows? No, I'm kidding. Um, Anstey rode fantastic. I think that we see this trend continuing. I hope he doesn't start to expect it, put pressure on himself and cause issues, but he was extremely solid and was the surprise for sure of Houston. 100%. All right, yeah. moving on to moving on to our next one. Uh, we can't also can't move on without talking about Cody Shock. Holy crap, did he shock everybody when he was able to get back up after a very scary crash. He goes ass over tea kettle, straight wide open into the over-under bridge, uh, snaps snaps his suspension in half, essentially. He ends up having to use his teammate's suspension to ride through the pack into the into the main via the LCQ. Uh, Denny, do you have even a like a relatable story to something along those lines of having to uh, basically pick up the pieces and still make it into a main event? This was unprecedented, not only to be able to get up from a, from a crash like that, but then to go and put it in the main. Um, I, you know, I've I've hit things in my in my racing career, but uh, but yeah, nothing like that. You know, even a big crash on the track to a section of whoops over a corner, over a double, or something like that. You know, that is something that'll stick with you. But the old whiskey throttle into the side of the tunnel jump, uh, I, 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 Cody's got to have freaking nightmares about that shit, man. I mean, and, and to him walk away, I, I think the first thing we saw him was him kind of just kind of disappear behind, uh, you know, the, the, the tunnel part. We knew what he'd hit. I think he probably went under the tunnel a little bit uh, and he didn't grasp for his wrist. And that was what I think everyone was shocked by. You would have thought that he was holding on so bad that he would have braced his, his arms and done some damage. But uh, hats off to him. That was very scary. Um, man, as I, I told people, man, uh, he needs to send a, a card to Feld and, and tell him for, you know, let, let's put some more pads on those on those, those tunnel jumps. That was a scary instance. And I also read that he had he did ride his teammates forks. Um, I'm not sure which is which, but one of them runs air forks. The other one runs spring. So Cody didn't even know the forks. He, he was, was on he air. He used them. spring spring yeah so he used a completely different type fork which he is not used to doesn't like obviously prefers the air and went out and did phenomenal uh, hats off to him for him to come back he's had a tough year last year uh he really surprised us did great in 2021 2022 was a nightmare with his knee uh and to come back and see that happen the very first race of this east series i think we we're all holding our breath and he came out and showed what kind of a great competitor he is and uh, just hats off to him so uh, i hope for a much less entertaining uh, and more successful round here coming tampa Well, this is the part of the show where I just pump Checker's tires because you look like an absolute genius with both Luke Nice and AJ Catanzaro going into the into the into the main event. But honestly, I'll also throw my shoulder out, uh, patting myself on the back for the Luke Nice pick because that was my comment last week when uh, Debo had Luke Nice at like twelve bucks on his uh, fantasy game, and I'm like, I think he's gonna make the main, and uh, he went ahead and did it. What do you think, there, Checks? 
yeah, I mean, really, I put this out there um, just to tell Denny that he was wrong because we both were on the Luke Neese bandwagon last weekend. And I specifically remember you saying, what did this dad do to you? And um, <laughs> Luke Neese is, he's much improved. He's looked great coming into the offseason stuff and just wanted to give him a, a little bit of props. And again, just like the Catanzaro thing, I, I rode both of the, the trains and all of my fantasy leagues and they didn't actually get me a ton of points, but they at least put her in the main event and got me some points. You got four points, a 20th and a 22nd. I, I was wrong with, with Luke. Uh, he wrote great. I actually had him on my team. Uh, he was a great discount. Uh, the, the three points wasn't entirely a lot, but it, I only had six of my eight riders in the main. Luke was one of them. So uh, hats <laughs> off for him for a great ride. And uh, yeah, good job for him. But yeah, for, for your discount getting both of them, you got a whopping four points out of that. So good job, Checker. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a good job from those guys. And honestly, a very good job for Talon Hawkins. I had him on the podcast last week, uh, leading into his first, uh, first race. And he was, you could just tell the kid was smiling ear to ear after getting the call from Husky. Um, he did exactly what he told me he was going to do. He, he digested the day. He took it step by step. Uh, he, he could, he controlled what he could control and Talon Hawkins, uh, a very quiet, very solid 11th overall for a, a lot of people had this were sort of doubting this kid on whether or not he was going to be able to 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 carry it into the pro ranks uh after ba- like basically just finding out in the 11th hour that he was going to turn pro uh literally less than a week before he did it so uh hats off to him and uh and also same thing not a, maybe not at the same same uh, uh level but uh Kevin Morantz a career best 14th at uh, at around 14 where the 450 class still has a ton of talent in it so uh for for Kevin Moran's to uh um to get a, a career best in a situation like this that is awesome for him and uh like should uh should we be worried about the uh, the depth with privateers this doing this well this early Debo? Man, I don't know. <clears throat> they rode really well. And there's some good riders not making main events we're going to talk about next year. So Rand's rode well. Starling rode well. Um, I think you're just getting to see guys who just are used to running that pace. They're getting good starts, which we're not seeing from Chiz. Chiz, we're always having to see come through the pack. As I've learned in my career, when you got to make main events, it's much easier to start first or top five and work back in, you know, as little bit as you can and get in those main events. Having to come through the pack with the deep field we have right now, it's it, it's almost impossible. And we're seeing that with some really great riders, as we're going to talk about here right now. Yeah, like Josh Hill, Alex Ray, Grant Harlan, guys who have only made one main event out of the four races this year. Uh, who First of all, who out of those guys gets in this weekend? Because it's going to be somebody, especially with Dylan Ferrandis out. That's one more spot um, available in the main event. Um, but yeah, like, like I'll, I'll, I'll open the floor to either one of you, whoever wants to jump on it first, but, um, yeah, the, all, all three of those guys, uh, need to get their homework done. And, uh, Avery was close to it. If he hadn't been grabbing gears, uh, along the concrete there. Yeah. I mean, Alex Ray has been riding extremely well this year. That's the frustrating part. And he's narrowly missing out on these main events. And I mean, partially it is still mistakes of his own. But I can tell you his riding and his motorcycle and all that look really good. I don't see him missing another main event. He needs to put himself in better positions. And when he's in good positions, don't make the mistake and blow it and rush it. Like he rushed it around the outside of Moran's in the sand, blew off the track, 
and then lights up the tire. So even if he were able to get in in that last corner altercation, when things went his way, if he wouldn't have fallen down, he was already getting docked to positions because yes, the AMA will penalize you. If you look like a top fuel drag racer, lighting your tire up down the side of the track, Denny, um, told you, <laughs> but Alex Ray's riding super well. I expect him to be in, um, Josh Hill completely baffles me because he's one of the most talented riders out there. And, uh, we talked a little bit this week. It's one of those things. I think father time kind of catches up with you a little bit. He looked really good on his Yamaha in the off season. Um, I've heard whispers that he's maybe not so happy with that KTM setup that he has He's maybe struggling a bit with it. It is very interesting to me that they've, they've swapped out the WP stuff that comes on those bikes with the KYB stuff. And I know we saw that with like back with Chad Reed was riding his Huskies. He tried it. I haven't seen a ton of success with swapping the whole component out. Now you can swap internals. I know there's a lot of guys that are really happy with that setup, but they're from what I understand, they're actually swapping out the whole component to an A kit uh, fork. And I really haven't seen that work very well. Although Justin Hill seems to be doing fairly decently. I mean, I don't know what our expectations are for him, but Josh Hill, like in San Diego, he was going corner after corner after corner trying to kill Clayson. I remember in the LCQ before Cade decided, actually got away and then ghost rode himself off the berm all by himself. Um, but that one's baffling to me because I just, I look at him, he should be in the main event right now. If Moran's is getting 14, so this is no discount to Moran's. Big shout out for him for being, I think, the only privateer guy to pull the trigger on that quad when he was in the LCQ. Um, it was highly contested and I honestly expected he probably would go backwards and maybe would be the one on the outside looking in. And he ended up, he pulls the quad, starts charging forward um, and was really good. But it is, it's definitely a changing of the guard because you have guys like Josh Cartwright's been really good. It's making multiple main events and stuff like that. And you have the older guys of Hill and A-Ray sitting on the outside. Um, I don't think maybe it's such a lack of depth. It's just a different, it's different names up there than we're used to seeing. Certainly. Different mentality. I think, as we talked about, um, not to jump in real quick, but yeah, my opinion on Josh, which I was kind of, we were talking on the thread was, you know, I think that Josh is, is it just shows on Raleigh Supercross really is because he is an outstanding rider, incredible talent. Um, he does possibly look a little uncomfortable on the bike. I don't see some of his normal flow, um, but it goes back to, again, he is older. He's enjoyed the life. He knows that he can have fun riding a dirt bike still these days and make a living doing it. And he doesn't need to push that level of supercross. He need to push it at, you know, it, it does have uh, its danger level as we've talked about multiple times. I think he's having fun uh, testing, riding, uh, being around his brother. They're a very tight uh, family. Um, I think he's just enjoying life and, and not pushing it when, when he gets the opportunity, as we've seen, he'll, he'll, he'll make a main event, but he's got to go balls to the wall. I, I don't think Josh is really, really willing to do that right now in his life and his career. A Ray, on the other hand, oh, man, that son of a bitch. I took him on my team and uh, I know he's been catching a lot of crap this team, this, this, Mark. Uh, this fantasy, fantasy season. So nobody give A Ray any shit, but uh, man, I was, he, he's been riding great. That's why I took him. He's like, you said, checkers. He's looked better. He looks more comfortable on the bike, but then he just does an A Ray out of the blue and just launches it off the side of the track. And like you said, he almost made it in the main event twice. And had he made it in that second time, but then been penalized. Man, I might have tried to burn down the offices at AMA. So, um, and then Logan, I think Logan has proven he can ride well when it seems when it, maybe the field's a little bit more depleted. Uh, he's not missing out on autograph signings. He's getting a ton of press. Uh, he's doing great for OnlyFans and himself. And as long as he keeps that shake weight to the line every week, I think he'll eventually get into the main event with no arm pump. Yeah, he's not going to have any arm pump. But uh, John, 
Bolton uh, says that Tomac is going to falter this weekend. Webb takes it. So that's a bit of a hot take, but it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. Mark Taylor would like us to discuss uh, CMXR's tweet where he said, and I quote, Sexton better win as much as he can because the Donut Boy, a.k.a. Jet Lawrence and Danger Boy, are coming for him and uh for him what's what, what uh for him what's he doing to tomac now oh at, this, at the end of it doesn't uh yeah no, doesn't really i've actually read sense, that tweet but yeah when like he posted, uh he posted that, yeah go ahead brad yeah yeah he's right honestly like chase sexton's window of being extremely dominant is going to be rather small given the fact that we're getting jet lawrence full-time in the 450 class next year yeah, I, I think that's total bullshit. Um, I think we're, Chase is a perfect example of how just gnarly the Supercross is, you know, to come in as a rookie. And this is his third year, and he's getting better and better every year. You know, don't be blowing smoke up Jet's ass yet. He can't even make it through a full triple crown without fucking ending up on his head. So let's just dial that back a, a, a notch or two. I think Chase is doing well. I think, you know, obviously Hayden's got a long ways to go before he's got to worry about him in the 450 class. Chase has proven he's the next guy to step in when and Eli's gone. He'll be up there. I think Webb will be around. But as of right now, um, I think Sexton has plenty of time before he's going to have to worry about either one of those riders uh, in Supercross. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Chase Sexton. I think he's doing what he needs to do. And he's staying out the ground. He's getting smarter every year. He's just got to get that confidence level. He can, He's one of the few that can actually run with Eli's pace. He's not as strong mentally as Eli is. As I've said, uh, Webb is, can run racecraft with Eli. He just can't run speed. Sexton can run speed. He just can't run racecraft with Eli. Until somebody can do both of them this year, Eli will keep winning and will probably win that title. But I think Chase has learned every year, and I think come 2024, he's going to be the man to beat. I mean, Chase definitely yeah. looks like he's the, the heir to the throne, and, I mean, he's trying his damnedest to dethrone the king before he leaves, um, not to actually call Tomac the king of Supercross. I, I, maybe it was just a play on words, but um, – I mean, he definitely wants everything he can to beat Tomac before he goes straight up. He did put up a valiant effort outdoors last year. And holy cow, did the race on Saturday look just like outdoors did last year where Chase was there. You thought he had it. And then Eli just keeps on delivering and Chase just can't quite get there and get it done. Um, It's got to break at some point and maybe it breaks when Eli retires, (laughs) Or maybe it breaks during the season this season and, and Chase is able to finally do it. But here's the thing. Once that happens, then he's the guy, you know, and everybody's coming after him. And Jet very well could come in and win right away. But he very well could have 450 growing pains like everyone else, which is one of the reasons that we were talking about. Why is Jet not riding a 450 opposite coast this year, getting his feet wet and maybe helping some of those growing pains accelerate a bit early? Um, I don't think you can just give him the championship yet. We haven't even seen him run a 450 Supercross yet. Yes, he was great at Motocross and Nations. He's a great talent. It wouldn't surprise me if he wins races next year, but let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, Chase Sexton only has a couple of 450 Supercross wins, and he's a fantastic talent who's gone toe-to-toe with Tomac. Um, You know, we thought Jason Anderson, good thing he won his title when he did because that window was really short. And then last year he railed, rallied off seven wins and competed for the title. I mean, it takes a lot to become an established 450 guy. And once you're there, you can stay a long time and it takes, the kids have a lot to learn. So, I mean, I just think it's, it's putting the cart before the horse a little bit. 
if Jet Lawrence came in as a rookie and won, I don't think any of us would be super surprised either. But to just say Sexton better win now because he doesn't have a chance against Jet or the forthcoming of Deegan, I don't believe that at all. And we're not even going to have to wait that long. Having spoken with Factory HRC's crew chief, Shane uh, Drew. Shane Drew yesterday. Wow. Uh, totally spaced on that. Uh, Shane Drew yesterday. Uh, he said that uh, the SM the plan for Jet is to race a 450 in the SMX uh, playoff rounds. So we're, we're going to get to see Jet on a Supercross style track earlier than uh, we would have we would have previously expected. So he's going to get a little bit of experience. Uh, yeah, it, I don't even like I'm color me skeptical until we see those tracks uh actually play out the way we're, we're intending them to but i'm optimistic um but you know what time it is boys it is time to debate with debo denny is it better for adam cincerolo to be fading to the tail end of the top 10 every single week but stay on the track as uh, as he has been going or race up front and crash out Oh, I don't think anybody wants to see AC um, crashing out. And if he's personally, if he's racing himself into shape, he's, he's racing himself into comfort level. Um, he's doing it his way. And uh, I think we've all seen him on the ground far many t- far too many times. You know, that monster commercial where he talks about where he just blatantly obviously says in a very gloomy manner, I don't want to be put under anymore. I've had enough surgeries. And uh, for someone who has never had that many surgeries, but has been injured enough times to understand that I, I am just happy to see Adam out there. He's a, a great addition to the sport. He's been in it a long time. He's been hurt a lot. It's disappointing to see him fading back because I know it's got to be frustrating for him. It's got to be disappointing to see him run that top five pace and then all of a sudden just kind of just everything just kind of explodes. I don't know if it's mentally, he gets arm pump, if his arm's still going numb. Um, just being able to see him in all four rounds so far, top 10 finishes, basically kind of right around Savachi's spot um, is better. I, I, I think it's great for him just to be run a top five pace and then finish eighth or ninth. And, and if he can do that for 17 rounds, I think it's, it's much better to see him for all 17 than it is um, run, lead for maybe four and then out round six. So it's nice to see AC out there. Got to be frustrating for him. It's frustrating for his fan base. Cowie's got to be kind of shaking their head, but um We'll see. I, I, every week he's getting a little bit better. Maybe he can pull the top five off here the next couple of rounds. Yeah, we shall see. And that's why we race these races so we can see it all unfold this weekend. Of course, being in Tampa, Florida, we're returning there for the first time since 2020. Um, Debo, it's time to dream on, my friend. A dream on segment, the mxd360.com fantasy as well as our draft fantasy um i didn't get an email from you updating uh where our points are but given the fact that i had to replace my entire 250 east team i'd imagine that i'm uh i'm a few points back at this point but uh yeah where are we at well moto extreme 360.com uh thank you just jeff schultz and storm like honda we're also giving away a 110 uh, crf to the grand prize winner um, but I am struggling. Wow. Moto extreme is just kicking my ass this year. I cannot find a rhythm. I can't find a, uh, any type of reason why I'm doing so bad. I cannot figure if I should go hot guys. When I go, don't go hot guys. They get top 10. When I do go hot guys, they get 11th and 12th. I am basically chasing my tail in Moto extreme 360 right now, the draft game. Well, let's just pull that up right now, because I know one thing is 
is checkers is getting his ass kicked thoroughly. And that always makes me smile. So, well, you are currently leading Brad. You're out front with the two, with 307 or 474 points, which has been pretty impressed, pretty incre- uh, impressive. Uh, I am back in, in second chasing my tail as usual with you while checkers is way back in third and actually checkers, you're going to need to replace a possible Dylan Fernandez this weekend. Who are you going to replace the guy with? There's not a lot of guys left. Fortunately with our group, there's only uh, 12 currently guys that are, are drafted in our group. Yet there are two in Malcolm Stewart and Marvin Muskin who are currently out. So we're down into the 16 to 22 mark checkers. Who will you be replacing Dylan Fernandez with in your draft league and hopefully pull yourself out of this cellar? Well, first of all, since we like to change the rules midseason sometimes in these games, can can I get a clarification on the rule of if I replace Dylan Ferrandis with, say, Justin Cooper, and then Cooper decides not to race after this weekend, um, do I get to replace him or is it not because of injury? Like, am I, am I, is it injury only or if he's not racing, I get to replace him? And well, do I get Ferrandis back if he comes back as the replacement for Cooper? Well, we did, we did kind of add uh, this. I'm in three of these draft leagues. I, I, this game I completely made up off, this, uh, off, the, off the wall here during the offseason, something that would keep us interested throughout the season. I like the draft aspect to see what kind of everybody's going with. Originally, if you a rider got hurt, you would draft in a new rider, and then you were out with that rider all the way through the end of segment one, which is the halfway point of the Supercross series. In some of our other leagues, there's so many riders that have been taken that I said, well, if you're going to drop a guy because he's hurt, he can still theoretically be on your team and the draft rider or the rider you drafted as an injury reserve rider can then be dropped and you can get back your main guy. So I'm gonna let you know that if Ferrandis comes back after after only one or two weeks that you will be able to take him back. But if, if you take Justin Cooper and he does not race Oakland, you get a donut buddy. So you better draft wisely in your replacement. Oh, so that changes things. Cause really um, you, you mentioned that um, Malcolm Stewart, and Marvin Muskin were out already, and then we're adding Frantis to that list. Guess who has all three of them? This guy right here. So I feel your pain about your 250 East team, Brad. Um, don't oh don't don't forget that Jalik Swole was also on my team. So now 50% oh, of my team is out with injuries. These draft games have been the absolute devil this year. So knowing that my luck absolutely sucks, and maybe Justin Cooper maybe has a good race this weekend, but then for some reason, Bobby just decides, ah, we don't need to send you to the West Coast. You stay home for the weekend. We'll go racing with just Eli Tomac. I think that will leave Justin Cooper on the sidelines. And I'll have to go with uh, Joey Savacci to hopefully keep putting it in the top 10 and at least give me some solid points while, well, Max Anstey, Jordan Smith, and Jeremy Martin, the old man, oh, the old men in the 250 East are going to have to get me some good points this weekend because my star 450 squad. Wait, I, yeah, yeah. I have Plessinger and Cincerillo. Now I'm going to have Joey Savacci and well, at least Jason Anderson, maybe will be on the podium for me. Yes. And you are yeah. at part. Your team mid pack, bro. Yeah. And I, Brad, Brad, you only beat me by three points right now. And we, again, we'll, we'll recap, recap that after round eight Daytona, we redraft an entirely new team. So checkers, you're not stuck with all these injured riders all year long or all season long. And then what we're going to do even that, we're going to then redraft for the outdoors and then redraft halfway through that. That's this game we got going on. It's not more extreme360.com, but this is our little fun draft game. We're doing for big MX and a couple of our other, other draft leagues. Um, 
checks. Brad, what do you got for a Moto Extreme this weekend? Um, it's going to be tough to try and find some riders. I'm I'm not just beating you, Denny. I'm kicking your ass by three points. So- yes. Total beat up. We <laughs> each won two rounds. Uh, regardless, dude, I'm excited about Moto X Extreme this weekend. Yeah, it's... Uh, the, you know- there is a lot of great picks. Yeah, there is a lot of great picks over at mxd360.com. Moto X Dream is a really, really fun game. Like I said earlier in the show, if you weren't watching yet, I'll reiterate, uh, it's a salary-based game. You get $3.5 million to disperse over eight riders. Uh, that roughly gives you about $500,000 that you can spend on each guy, but you have to spend it wisely. You have to sort of find some value on some certain guys. That way you can possibly spend some money on guys who can potentially win. It's a really, really fun game. Uh, if guys are listed in red, if I believe if they're in the top 10, you get an even more bonus points if they are a hot highlighted rider um i'm really excited about this i'll tell you guys uh a couple of guys that i think are are going to be going to give a lot of uh sort of they're going to be some bargains this weekend jeremy hand and caden braswell in the 250 class for me and uh, honestly he's still expensive but i think he's going to have a much better weekend this weekend that he's been having christian greg in the 450 class and it's a home race for kyle chisholm and he didn't chiz last weekend he's gonna chiz this weekend for one hundred and seven thousand dollars. give me kyle chisholm all day long and most likely a winning team well i definitely want to look at the 250 list and some bargains there but first i want to remind you guys that this is the one thing i'm actually beating you guys at is moto (laughs) extreme 360 even though you both did beat me last weekend and it, it really didn't go all that well um michael moseman did not live up to his salary last weekend um, looking at the list, I think it's a really big risk with Max Anstey because he hasn't proven that he's a podium guy every week yet. Although he was really good last weekend, does that transfer over? Um, he's now the second most expensive guy based on his result. Um, but I think that there's definitely plenty of value there in a guy like, say, Talon Hawkins. He was 11th in his first ever Supercross. I always preach the factory team thing. I think you get more consistency out of a factory rider than you typically would a privateer that. Maybe he's a little bit more of a flash in the pan guy. Um, also, if you're going to look for somebody more on the cheap side to sneak in and maybe save a bunch of money in one class so that you can earn more later. Um, Devin Simonson was super good last weekend. I've been on him since like, you know, again, he's somebody that I've watched a lot and he was easily in the main event. And then, you know, he put in a 21st finish because he had a bike issue. So I expect him to be more around a 14-15 spot. That's a lot of points. Also, remember, Josiah Natsuki, his teammate, was leading the LCQ. Looked like he had that thing in hand. He had about a straightaway lead when he had a bike issue. So both of those guys are some cheap ones to look at. The other one that was up up in the LCQ and shuffled back was Jack Chambers, who get well soon to Zach Osborne, his trainer, um, who was hurt this week um, getting ready for some off-road stuff. So those are some guys on the, the lower budget side that I would look at. Um, when it comes to spending more money, um, I think you got to look at Nate Thrasher. I think he could easily be on the podium and it wouldn't surprise anyone. And he's the cheapest guy that's really up there. Um, unless you want to go and take the risk for Hayden Deegan. I mean, I think that's another one that you definitely want to look at in the 250 class for some bargains. Um, as you're looking to hire your team, Danny, what do you have? Well, uh, you know, basically, like, again, my, I base these salaries pretty much strictly on results. Uh, a hot rider who's listed in red who gets a 10-point bonus, their points or their salary will reflect that 10-point bonus when it, when it's, when it reflects their points. 
Uh, that's why Hayden Deegan, who came out with a strong fourth that was no longer hot and is down at the $562,000 mark, had high left him hot, which getting a fourth, I couldn't really theoretically uh, come to terms with doing that. It would have been too obvious, but he would have been quite as expensive as Hunter possibly. But Hayden um, is still a pretty good value. I think Nate Thrasher, I think you nailed it on that one. Uh, I personally took uh, the Jack Chambers in the uh, in my TFD class. I, I, I was originally going to have Luke Neese. Jack Chambers was so much cheaper, uh, or, or listen, a little bit more expensive. And so I ended up going with the Chambers. He qualified so much better. And then poor Jack ran right in the ass of that guy. And uh, I don't remember who it was coming out of the, in that rhythm section. He went down. And so, yeah, I, six of my eight guys last weekend uh, only made it. And yet I'm still only, I still kicked your ass checkers. I'm only eight points behind you now, which I'm chopping at the bit to get ahead of you. And, uh, and finally to be ahead of Brad is very nice since he is a rookie. And I think we've all come to it. Any type of racer never wants to get beat by the rookies. So uh, right now I have in my team, which is a pretty good solid team. You know, I got Colin Park, right? It still is, is a hot rider. I didn't take him in the opening round. Uh, Talon Hawkins, we brought, talked about earlier. I think we're going to see more out of him. I was very much impressed with his ride all weekend long. I, I didn't see a lot from him and some of his early experiences in the nationals. Uh, I was not impressed with Loretta's. I really didn't know what to think from him, but he rode well at the, the I think he, he definitely benefited from racing a two, the futures race and uh, had a solid 11th. So if he gets a top 10, he's worth 10 extra points. Uh, and then Cody shock. I think he's a pretty good value right now as well, because I don't think there's any chance in hell that we'll see Cody go through what he just went through uh, by hitting the, the tunnel having to go through new suspension. I think he's a pretty good discount rider, even at $320,000. And then even the 450 class. Um, I, man, I, like I said, I've been hunting and pecking, trying to get hot guys. Whenever I don't choose a hot guy, he gets top 10. Whenever I do choose, choose a hot guy, he gets 11th or 12th. So uh, I'm rolling the dice with Justin Cooper. I did not take him at Houston. I did not expect to see such a solid seventh place out of him, but he is a pricey $660,000. He is a, uh, He's jumped up right there with the best guys. Uh, he's a top six salary guy with between Anderson and Roxon. If you're going to pay for it, he better get you those 10 points because if he does only gets 10 points for $660,000, that's a $66,000 per point average. And that is not good, but I'm willing to roll the dice with the guy. I was so blown away with him at motocross the nations and obviously a completely different sport, a completely different year, a completely different season. Uh, I think the JC 32 is going to be kicking ass this weekend in Tampa and following it up. And there's Ken Roxon. Ken's actually a pretty good bargain back there in 651,000. He's the seventh highest rider in the 250 or 450 class. I don't know. I, I have him on a couple of my draft teams. It's hard to doubt Ken when Ken wants to do well. He seems to do well. And then there's Colt Nichols. He's also in that $526,000 range. He's about the 10th most expensive rider on the list. He's yet to get a top 10 since that first round. He's run right around there at 11th, 12th, and 13th. Uh, he's going to be a very risky rider. Dean Wilson, he's been right there at 11, 12, 13th as well. His salary is a little bit considerably cheaper. You guys told me that we will not be seeing him in the top 10 at all this season. When I asked last weekend, he's getting better, but he's quite consistent in that 12 to 13 spot. And then we got Benny Bloss, who came back from injury. He had a bike problem last week. He ended up 22nd. Um, he is very affordable down at $53,000. So that's another rider I think could be, could be doing well. Cause I think even if he gets the main, I think he can run 14th to 15th, which is some good points. Uh, and then there's still Alex Ray down at that $18,000 mark. He'll fool you in practice and then he'll frustrate you all night. And I don't care what fantasy league you're playing in, what game you're on, what.com you're at. 
A-Ray will kick your ass week in and week out. I think we need to add a little uh, warners like that other site does and say, look out. You sure you want to make this decision? <laughs> I tell you what, Daddy. So you were saying that you were surprised. I just, I don't need that stress in my life. <laughs> I really, I just don't need that stress in my life. I, I like, you know what I mean? I, I already eat enough as it is kind of like throughout the week uh, with all the stuff I having to deal with. I, I don't need to uh yeah. put on extra weight having to deal with the 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 trauma and anxiety that comes with picking alex ray and fantasy i, I i'm I'm, all, I'm i wish him all the best but i would rather be wrong than have him on my team and be and uh and and be right and get the four <laughs> points he'd get well you 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 commented that you were only eight points back now denny well and then you mentioned the the can't zaro dnf with a flat tire and then Luke Neese not getting much more. But really, those weren't the downfall of my team. The downfall is when you go to the 450 class that Dylan Ferrandis decided to absolutely face auger himself into the ground, and Alex Ray didn't even make the main event. So now I had, what, four points between four riders left on my team. So the Cooper Webb not performing you know, overwhelmingly well wasn't so bad. Justin Cooper got me double points. I had Hunter Lawrence. And then I had an okay Moseman, but the rest of my team was non-existent on points. Um, so we're going to turn it around this week. The good thing is, is I'm going to reset it. And we're going to kill it. Um, if you're going to go Sexton or Tomac, I feel like they're the one, two guys right now and much cheaper is Chase Sexton. So I'm, I'm on the Sexton train. Um, I actually think Barsha has been really consistently pretty good this year. And what's crazy is watching him live in person, watching lap times and stuff. He's not the fastest guy, but dang it, when the gate drops, he's going to be right around that top five spot. He's a dang good racer. He's in the mix every time. Um, you got to think if Plessinger backs it up like he did last weekend, he's a great value. And if it's going to rain or there's a chance of rain, who else do you want on your team more than Aaron Plessinger? So I think he's worth a look. I won't be touching the Savachi thing. He's too borderline on that top 10. Um, you know, he falls out of that top 10 and you wasted a whole lot of money. So um, not worth the risk. Definitely want to give a mention to Justin Hill. We talked about earlier in the show. I mean, he's again, the last two times he was in this stadium, he has a sixth and a fifth. Um, he had a bad weekend last weekend. He's been around a 14th place guy, but maybe he gets a little bump in Tampa. And if he were to jump into the top 10, that would be a massive, massive value. Um, I have to do it. I, at some point, Christian Craig is going to get a top 10, right? And so I'm going to go for the bonus. Denny didn't get it last week and you jumped the gun. They built him a long whoop pad this weekend. Come on. He's got to be able to get it right with a long <laughs> whoop pad. Um, I, I like your mention of Benny Bloss, but I mean, that's just like riding the A-Ray train. Bloss is, really go, is. Really can go is. very fast, but man, he augers himself in the ground a lot. I don't think he's hundred percent. I mean, I just picture him on the last lap getting lapped by Sexton. He had about four turns to go and he absolutely destroys himself landing in the tough blocks. Um, <laughs> again, big whoops is usually Josh Hill's strong point. Um, I feel like he should be in main events tentatively. He's on my team, but also I'm looking at, you know, potentially I could drop the value of a Craig and go with the gamble of Justin Hill getting it done, which would then would allow me to go maybe to a John Short type level guy or a Freddie Norin, something along those lines. Guys that have been pretty consistently in the main events, but I mean, that's borderline just to get a few points. So where you go there, um, Clayson's still a good value with him riding good, but those aren't going to make or break your team. Really, you got to look at the top side. And I think on the top side, you got to go with either like a Craig or a Hill. 
to hopefully get in that top 10, get you those double points for a nice cheap value to lead your team. Currently, my team going in, Jeremy Martin, Nate Thrasher, which I don't think I talked about, but he's he's got to be a good value. He had a terrible week last week, but can be up front. Talon Hawkins, Jack Chambers, um, Chase Sexton, Justin Barsha, and then Christian Craig and Josh Hill are currently sitting on my team. What do you think of Cole Thompson? He's down there at $10,000. He's obviously riding a 250. The track's got some long lanes that might make things a little bit differently. But I think we saw a big change at the track last weekend in Houston that the 250 and 450 lap times were, were pretty much – the 450s were considerably fast is what I'm trying to say. So I think Cole was at a pretty distinct disadvantage last weekend. Can Cole Thompson put that 250 privateer, non-solitaire bike, his privateer practice bike into that 450 main this weekend? I don't know for sure if he's making the trip over. I don't know if they're they're going that far. Um, I would I have to. Thought he was on check the entry on list. But if he's in the if he's in the field, I think he's going to struggle a little bit more because it's a long start. And last weekend would have been the time because he can get a good qualifying lap. What's that, Brad? Go ahead, Brad. Well, I was just saying it, it's a short. It was a short like start. Two fifty in the sand. I don't like that. That is true. And they have dump trucks of sand brought in. It's not just a little sand section that straight away. I think it will be deep and suck you down quite a bit. Um, although Cole is and a the corner veteran. after the, the corner after the section is just deep sand. Yeah. And he is a, but he is a very veteran rider that won't probably make the big mistakes. So um, that's something to keep in mind, but there's definitely guys that will get you zero points when they don't make the main event. And that is a risk that really sucks taking, but it's part of the game. Yeah, I haven't had all eight guys in yet, and that's just terrible. Uh, terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> mm. But I am being Brad. All right, got, Brad? Uh, who's your, who's your team? I, I want to hear your team before I tell you the winning team. My team, personally? I'm leading things off with Colin Park. Yeah, who's your who's your preliminary team? Pre- preliminary, I've already kind of wanted to make some changes. I didn't get a chance to do it, but right now I'm at $0. Somehow I used up every single dollar. I still don't understand how my – uh, formula can sometimes work out to not having a single dollar left, but I got Colin Park, who's hot. Uh, I'm looking for another top 10 performance for him. I got Tom Viale, who's still a pretty reasonable value. I'm seeing another good start for him. I'm seeing that sand, uh, more longer lanes. I think he'll find a little bit more comfort. I think he'll stay off the ground. I got Talon Hawkins, who got 11th. I think we can put him in the top 10, hopefully this weekend. Cody Shock, like I said, he's uh, my fourth 250 rider. It's got to be a better weekend for him. And he actually had a good weekend, as it turned out. So, Cody Shock, I'm expecting bigger things out of him, maybe even a top 10. 4MV class, I'm already debating my Justin Cooper uh, move. I think I'm going to make some things, some changes, get a little a couple cheaper guys and go a little bit more uh, towards uh, Chase Sexton. Um, Ken Roxon's another guy I'm not too sold on. I might drop him down to uh, Aaron Plessinger, who's a little bit more affordable. And then I have Dean Wilson, who I still think is a great spot at 13th. And then uh, Checkers almost brought it up to me again. It reminded me that I've already taken Benny Bloss, I believe, twice now. I think I took him at the first round and possibly the third. No, he was hurt the third. But either way, Benny is a uh, is definitely a crapshoot. I think he'll get in the main events, but then, uh, shit, who knows what he's going to do. But as right now, Cooper, Roxon, Wilson, Bloss are my four video riders. 
All right. It's time to announce the winning team, uh, which I'll be able to select this weekend. Uh, some guys I can't select, and that actually kind of helps me out on the budgeting side of things. 250s, we're going to go with uh, a pair of guys who are on Yamahas who have won uh, in this class before. Jordan Smith and Jeremy Martin rounding out the team, saving some money with Jeremy Hand and Caden Braswell. Both those guys are into the main. No problem. I think they both have some success this weekend and then you have jason anderson in the 450s uh aaron plessinger i think he's going to be close to the top 10 or top to the the podium as well and then uh colt nichols and kyle chisholm there's my team man go with the chiz risky florida it's home interesting note on chisholm that i did see um yesterday they, he showed a picture and his suspension was off his motorcycle. And I saw that active ride was tagged in there, which is his local suspension guy, his go-to guy in Florida. So it looks like Chiz may be making a little suspension switch this week, which we saw was a positive for Ken Roxon. So you might get a little bit of a bump from Chiz, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of home, home feel there a little bit. So keep that in mind. Keep an eye on that one with Chiz. Um, if he steps it up, he could definitely be a very good value for sure. In, like I know this is like this wasn't on the script or anything like that. We're going off script. Uh, the Truman Show is fucked now. Um, but like, can we talk about how the season is going so far for Hep Suzuki? This is the first time that they have had a, as high profile a rider as Ken Roxon. He's uh, basically forced their hand to switch um, exhaust manufacturers and now has also basically demanded that they switch at least him to uh, a different suspension uh, tech company. Um, They've made some other reservations for him specifically. Uh, Shane McElrath does not look like Shane McElrath. I don't know who he looks like, but it's certainly not Shane McElrath. Uh, Chiz, they've, they've somehow been able to put a track, a bike on the track, that won't even chiz on a regular basis. Um, And then Marshall Welton, um, I don't know. I like, I think Denny could have gone faster than Marshall Welton this weekend. Well, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to give them a little bit of defense. Um, I heard the exhausting was actually happening before Roxon. It just conveniently works out nicely for him on that side of things. Um, And mad props to the team for allowing him to make that change, you know, and in going that direction to, progress what they're doing and try to make their rider happy and how can you be down on them when they just are putting in their best results they've ever had they've secured a ton of sponsorship and now a ton of notoriety with their guys um i will say that shane mackerel's never looked good in a 450 in supercross not yet so really what he's doing isn't that much worse than what i've seen in the past um the chisholm thing it is a little bit puzzling but you know what he had his program and his bike set up for him really really good previously and if you think back to last time he was on HEP he struggled a bit then too so I guess we'll see if it turns around but good for them being flexible Uh, Marshall Welton is not 100% and then I found out he was landed on in practice as well Uh, but if you look back his supercross have not been all that good they were they got a lot better at the end of last year He's a fantastic person. He's a good outdoor rider. But again, when you look at 450 outdoors, I say this all the time, you're looking at a depleted field of guys. And when you've put the full guys back out there, it's all of a sudden a lot different. So you start to see some inflated results, perhaps that are maybe better than what you really would expect. And, and maybe you overvalue guys. So um, hopefully Marshall has a much better weekend this weekend. Doesn't get landed on. Um, but yeah, the, so Denny, you got anything? 
You know, I, I, I do. And, and, and it just is no reflection of, of HEP. It's no reflection of, of the team. It's no reflection of the mechanics. Um, they can only do so much in these bikes. I, I've said at the beginning of the year, it's an old bike. It's an old chassis. It's old technology. Everybody's thought, you know, I was crazy. You know, Ken's going to overcome it. Ken's going to do this. Uh, I think we're seeing it. You know, I thought the same thing previously about Shane McElrath. Last year, he rode nine rounds and had three, had four top 10 finishes. So he was riding when this class was stacked. And he was running top 15, top 10, pretty solid, pretty consistently before he got hurt. Chiz, he always chiz. He puts in the mains all the time. It's just a matter of time before he did it. Uh, I think both of those guys, we're not seeing either one of them ride up to their potential. I think they're both uh, feeling a little uncomfortable on the motorcycle. It's a, it's a heavier bike. I know it's got to be, I don't care what, kind of, what you're putting on it, titanium bolts. It's a longer chassis. <clears throat> we saw Ken struggle making that thing turn the first two rounds. Everybody argued with Matt. I'm like, did you just watch the racing, man? Watch what Ken Rock's going to do. And he did on that Honda at Paris. And I know that was a very small track, very more tighter type deal. But look where he put that Honda. Look the way that thing went to the whoops. I think Ken is uh, doesn't look as good as he is, has, has done in the past either. He's done great on the Suzuki. Um, hats off to him. But they're working with old technology, like it or not. You cannot come back and change that. I don't give a shit what you're going to build onto that bike. There's a reason why manufacturers change their bikes every year. If they don't, I'm again tell you, then Yamaha, Kawasaki, Honda, Husky, KTM, and Gas Gas is just stop their fucking plants just put start selling the same bike every damn year uh that's just not the way this motorsports works technology will always advance and it'll always excel and i believe that you got three good riders in that Suzuki. i think you got a great team great mechanics they're working with outdated technology and an old bike period yeah absolutely I, I saw a video come across this week of of kenny from the paris race and i know we talked about then the whoops were a little different than what we see in the u.s but just perfect as could be going across them but more importantly was the corner after them that was flat where he turns on a dime leaves a nickel change and passes eli tomac that kid roxon has not been on the supercross track at all this year on the suzuki although he looked better at a2 that they had made some progress going back to that just said they're still far away from that rider that was on that honda absolutely no, absolutely. Uh, there's a last minute question here. Uh, do you think Ken Roxon's wheels will fall off if he doesn't perform this weekend? Well, I, I don't think that uh, Hep Suzuki uses W for their wheel needs. Uh, so that might be something they need to work out. Uh, call John Anderson. Maybe uh, I can uh, let uh, Dustin Pipes know that he can save money by, by mentioning Big MX Radio um, with WUSA. Uh, he can he can cash in that 10% discount. I believe that also includes shipping. Uh, so that would be fantastic. I know it's not a far drive from where they currently have their headquarters. So uh, certainly something to look into. Uh, Kenny to triumph in 2024. Well, I don't think he can ride the 250 class, so that's out. Um, but uh, yeah, at, at some point on this show, we're gonna have to start talking about triumph. But until I see a motorcycle, I will reserve that to uh, till then, boys. This was so much fun. Both of you came here tonight to get on my case, but I flipped the script on both of you and proved you wrong time and time again as we continue to do. This is so much fun. I appreciate you guys making time for me tonight. Well, uh, and, and on my behalf, I had a great time. I always enjoy talking to you. It, uh, it just leads to more arguments for me and checks throughout the week. I think we uh, we key each other up real well for what we can talk about on Thursday nights. And, and round five, I mean, we're already a quarter way into the season almost, 
and uh, the racing has been great all season long. I love starting a new season. I love the way the rookies are kicking ass. It's great to see new talent in both the 450 and 250 class right now. And uh, I hope it doesn't rain. Rain doesn't take things up, but I'm looking for hopefully a drive and uh, dry weekend in Tampa. And for those of you who do like Tampa, Florida, feel free to stop by the Mons Venus. Don't mention my name and uh, get a free lap dance. <laughs> Don't mention Denny's name and get a free lap dance. Last word from Race Tech and Mr. Riesenberg. Well, there's a reason that Denny runs a fantasy site because he pretty much lives on Fantasy Island. I'm going to be going back, taking <laughs> notes actually on all of our picks and keeping score because we're going to have another little game called Denny was actually very wrong. And I'm going to just back it up that I was right more times than he was. So I'll have that ready for you guys next week, just to remind him as we go into it again, that maybe he should start listening to his friend checks a little bit more. But in the meantime, log on to racetech.com and buy something. Use the coupon code big MX radio so that, well, they want to dump a ton of money into us. And then we can like toast these shows live from somewhere exotic, like Tampa, Florida on the beach with Bob Hanna. <laughs> yes, we absolutely definitely need to do that. And if for nothing else, this podcast or this this show allows you guys to have some more ammo to uh, get in your separate group chat that doesn't include me uh, talking about absolutely how uh, out to lunch that Canadian kid is. But uh, anyway, you guys have yourselves a great one. Really appreciate you guys coming on the show tonight. And uh, we will be back here Thursday next week, eight o'clock. Be there. <laughs>